This week on Water Flying, we're discussing the Icon Aircraft Flight Training Program. You're listening to Water Flying, a weekly podcast to bring you all things seaplanes. I'm Steve McCoy, the Executive Director of the Seaplane Pilots Association. And I'm Abby Kellett, Assistant to the Executive Director at the Seaplane Pilots Association, and I'm also a flight instructor in seaplanes. The Seaplane Pilots Association is committed to protecting and promoting water flying. We achieve this by working to maintain and expand waterway access. We promote seaplane safety, create educational programs, produce the only full-color glossy magazine dedicated to the seaplane community, and we create exciting seaplane events. We want to continue to improve this podcast, and we encourage your feedback. Feel free to reach out to us if there is anything you would like to hear in future episodes. So thanks for listening. Let's jump right in. Well, welcome back to the Water Flying Podcast. This week, Abby and I are joined by Andy Jackson, the uh, the Flight Training Network Manager at Icon Aircraft. He's also a member, uh, an active member of our uh, SPA Seaplane Manufacturers Safety Group. Uh, Icon has really proven themselves capable of taking some pretty aggressive steps in regards to seaplane safety and to making our entire community safer through uh, initiatives like their training program. So, uh, yeah, so Steve and I can both attest to the training program. I haven't gone through the IAFI and then Steve went through the TXS, both of which we're going to talk about a little bit later. Icon has been really one of the most fastidious manufacturers when it comes to training their prospective owners and flight instructors. They're really working to make sure everyone's going to be safe in their airplanes. So, Andy, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. I hope I can live up to the introduction there. Thank you. <laughs> Gosh, high hopes here. It is. Oh, no <laughs> so pressure, pressure, Andy. No <laughs> pressure at all. And it's good to have Abby back on the podcast again. It's great so, to be back, guys. Um, I've been really busy you. flying the icon. Yes. So, there you- be able to talk about that today. <laughs> So, Andy, (laughs) tell us a little bit about your background and what in your journey delivered you to where you are today at ICON. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I'm a a 20-year military veteran, retired from the Air Force, uh, have about 7,000-plus hours uh, flying tankers and Bombardier, Global Expresses, and King Airs. Um, But the majority, well, I say half of my career was spent in trainers, uh, flying T-6s and and teaching new aviators how to fly. Um, So when I got out, I I had an intro to the company, and I worked with Icon as a a contractor at Oshkosh. So my very first job with them was actually trying to sell the plane as a, a product rep, and uh, experiencing Oshkosh and all that it had to offer. <laughs> and then uh, uh, I asked about being an instructor pilot, and at the time there were no positions. They had just opened up Tampa Operations. And uh, they called me about four months later, four or five months later, and they said they wanted to try uh, expanding into this training network thing and would I be interested. So I uh, put my name in the hat and competed and came down and and, uh, talked to the group here in Tampa and interviewed. And uh, a couple months later, I started with Icon as the first uh, manager of their training network. Wow, that's um, a lot so. of experience. And uh, by the way, <laughs> thank you for your your service. It's nice to have a fellow Air Force veteran uh, on the show. So, yeah, I, I love it when we outnumber everybody else. It's not true here <laughs> at the Icon facility. You know, we're working on Abby. She has to put her time in. She hasn't done it yet. So, <laughs> I, I, I do want to tell a story. I want to warn you a little bit about what you've opened up having me on here. Um, uh, when it comes to media, uh, just to let your audience know kind of who they're dealing with. When I was a co-pilot flying out of Japan and I had just started the tanker, we had these HF radios, high frequency radios, you know, for long distances. 
and uh, I was flying out of Alaska and we were meeting up with some of our brethren, our, our fellow tanker uh, pilots and crews out of Japan that were delivering fighters to the U S. And so my job was to manage the radios among other things. So we took off from Alaska and we're hours from rendezvousing with the, the package of the other, the other tankers and fighters. But on the HF radio, we all check in to make sure everything is okay. And uh, so I hear our, our call sign from Japan checking in Torah and I get on the radio and go, Oh my God, guys, what's up? I'm in Alaska and I can hear you in Japan. And my instructor, <laughs> I was very, very new. My instructor from the left seat smacks me right in the, right in the face. <laughs> from the left seat. He goes, Those are professional tools. Those are not for your enjoyment. His name was Keith Peach, and I remember to this day. So, Peach, if you're listening, you know, I remember the lesson. So uh, I did learn that day. I had the nice red mark on my face. And uh, uh, fast forward years later, and I'm doing a very similar mission. This time I'm an instructor in the tanker, and we take off from another continent, and our brethren check in on the, uh, the frequency. And I hear them, and my co-pilot starts to answer and goes, Roger that, radio check complete. And I go, my radios. Hey, guys, what's up? This is so great to be here. I can't I, I, I can appreciate that. We just literally just a couple of weeks ago, and we're totally off topic, but we'll run with it for a moment. Just a couple of weeks ago, uh, we were flying, uh, Harry Shannon and I and Kathy Shannon were flying a Lake Amphibian to an event in Louisiana. And we were flying by Tyndall and Eglin and Herbert Field and uh, Pensacola, just, you know, up the, the military corridor there. And uh, we ended up having formation of Cobras pull up on us and fly with us. And then as we were going by Herbert, where I was based for special ops, um, you know, we just hijacked the conversation because I, I said, by the way, you have an old first sal guy flying over that hasn't seen the base in a long time. And it's the it's a nice homecoming. And everyone on the entire frequency started piping in, and they were all talking about this former first sal guy that was flying by in a seaplane by the base. So. <laughs> in a renegade. In a renegade. Yeah. <laughs> so it was awesome. We had PC-12s buzzing us and, and uh, all kinds of stuff. It was just awesome. So <laughs> It's nice to go back home. I, fl- I have flown the Icon past uh, NAS Pensacola, my home, for nine years many, many times. It's, it's good to go back and see it. So yeah. I know what you're saying. That's great stuff. So I went to school there. That's a nice area. That's all I can speak to it. But yeah, it's a beautiful so, area. So, Abby, what was your military service stories, your war stories here? Um, I I was I went to school close to a military base. So, okay, we're here to talk about to icons. Icons, yes, icons training. training. So, um, recently, I was pretty recently over at Peter O'Knight working on becoming an icon authorized flight instructor. So, an IAFI. So. Andy, why don't you give the listeners some insight into what that really entails on how an instructor can become an IAFI and what's involved? Yeah, sure. Uh, so ICON Authorized Flight Instructor, IAFI for short. Um, uh, basically, we want experience. We want people from around the country with uh, seaplane experience. And, and I'll get in. That's actually evolved since then. So not to interrupt myself, but there's seaplane experience IAFI and then land only IAFI. And we'll come back to that. But, uh, but what you're talking about. Um, as you uh, know, because you teach in seaplanes, you're a full-rated IAFI. Um, so we get that experience from around the country. And I just want to reiterate, I, I don't want to interrupt you, but IAFI, ICON Authorized Flight Instructor. Right. Okay. Yep. And and so they are uh, around place around the country, and the idea is to grow this network. And it's actually modeled after Cirrus in their CSIP. So same uh, idea where where we put the training into a more local environment, more accessible, more convenient, more economical for the owners, rather than having a centralized location. Um, it's definitely been a learning process to build this network that I manage, um, but we have grown to approximately forty instructors right now. Uh, most of those are seaplane rated, like Abby, and can do 
the full range of training uh, because of insurance requirements or uh, restrictions, I guess I should say, we were forced, forced to pivot a little bit. And the icon is such a great land training airplane um, that we wanted to get that step out of the way first for owners um, because we do appeal to owners with no time excuse me, no time, uh, zero hours, that we want to create land-only instruction IAFI. And so we've started doing that program, and it's been a really good success um, in the places we've started. We have about seven of those with another couple coming through training shortly. So, um, But basically, we have a minimum uh, requirements for hours and, and instruction given. And people, we get all kinds of inquiries, either through the internet, through emails, through phone calls, and then normal conversations. I'm sure after people hear this, they'll want to know if they can be an IAFI. And I am the input for all of that. It gets funneled through sales channels and, and internet channels to my desk. And then I, I uh, start the filter process. And then hopefully we come out with an IAFI who can serve an owner. So I know you've added quite a few IAFIs. Uh, are you currently looking for new ones or... or- yeah, we are always looking. Ideally, it's it's going to be what I do is get them in the database first, and I kind of I, I vet the information off a screening survey that I have, and then I keep them in the database. And either uh, they're if I think that they're going to be a benefit to the company immediately, uh, especially if it's an area that we don't service currently, then we'll talk about getting them trained sooner. But typically, we want them paired up with a purchase in that area so that they can go right into work supporting that owner. Otherwise, we have a problem with currency. If I develop someone in, say, Nebraska, um, who's ideally suited to be an IAFI, but there's no owners in that area, then we put them through training, and then it could be, you know, three months, six months, nine months before they see any kind of action, and then we've got to go back and get them current. So I'd rather keep them in the database, have open communication with them, let them know that I really appreciate their their volunteering, putting their name forward, and I will get back to them as soon as there's a need. But we have a balance of both. So there are some people that are just undeniable that they, they would be a, a huge benefit to the company, and others we, we wait a little bit to develop that. Yeah, and I can definitely speak to it. You know, I went over and – it was a couple days I flew with you, Sean. I didn't get to fly with Janessa, but really just a great team over at Tampa and, um, you know, got me checked out. It was, it was fun training. We had our little area. Um, you guys are doing training primarily at Peter O'Night, correct? Like that is where IAFIs are going to get trained, getting through that program. Yeah, correct. We, we keep the instructor, unlike Cirrus, you know, they've delegated the responsibility of making junior instructors um, to the senior instructor in that area. We're not there yet. Uh, we have such close ties with the insurance companies and the owner relationship with owner with insurance underwriters is, is, is so fragile right now that we're maintaining a lot of ownership of that instructor training. And as you alluded to in the, the intro, uh, we really focus on safety and standardization because we have a reputation for putting out a product like the instructors at um, Jack Brown Seaplane Base and our other training partners um, we have that reputation. We, we need to keep that intact for now. So one day we might be big enough where I can't handle the management. And we can't do all the training at, at Tampa, but for right now, that is a requirement to come here. Sure. Yeah, but it's a great location. I oh, mean, yeah. I did my training there. Mark uh, Twombly went through the training there. You have water, uh, just a, a beautiful training area right there uh, on the other side of the airport, which is amazing. And salt water. I don't know a lot of initial seaplane uh, training that uh, people do in salt water, so it's a little bit unusual in that regard as well. And I'm pretty glad that I actually had that experience because, you know, we're not flying saltwater. And so I actually went down to Miami. Andy, I told you this. And I call Andy just because he's such a great resource. And I'm training this this new owner down in Miami, down in Fort Lauderdale. And um, having had that experience flying in Tampa, flying in the Bay was really great to flying down, 
near Miami, flying in the water, flying in the salt water. Yeah. Yeah. yeah got it beat opens the up a lot of locations. Out there, though. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> like, it handled it really well. Like, it's a solid airplane, but we really got beat. Yeah. Whole different, whole, whole different world oh uh, down in Biscayne Bay. We really pushed the crosswind component. So <laughs> <laughs> I know both of you know this, but it's important for, and I think all the listeners, uh, if they've been listening for any length of time, understand this, but I really uh, have a strong uh, sense of, of value of training, and I'm kind of a stickler on training, and I believe in, a, in the real benefit of training instructors in a more structured and rigorous way. And, and quite honestly, uh, the way that ICON approaches it is, I, I don't know how else to say it, different than almost every other aircraft manufacturer training program I've seen at this level until you get into corporate aircraft or turbine aircraft. Um, you guys have a, a very, very thorough program, and I wish that the general public, um, some of which you know ha- has been critical of ICON in some ways, would see how much you guys have put into the training program, the process, and the documentation. As we were talking about, I have my stack of books here from you guys um, for today's uh, podcast that, that we use for training. So what do you believe occurs when you train these uh, ICON authorized flight instructors opposed to programs that, that don't have an aircraft-specific training program like yours? Yeah, um, that's a great observation on your part. Uh, I think comparing it to the corporate world, um, and some of that is brought over from the military. We we certainly don't want to belittle anybody's experience. I think we're we're very good, as Abby can attest to, of, of um, accepting that people bring in their own experiences and, and hours levels. But um, we really treat everybody like they're going through an upgrade program, almost as if you're going from the right seat to a left seat in a bigger plane. Um, we give them materials to read before they show up. We um, we talk about the prerequisites and what's going to be expected. The syllabus and we actually have a seat progression we do a, a PIC checkout on the left and then they move to the right and not only do they demonstrate control from the right and then instructional techniques from the right but we get to play what we've play student and and demonstrate um, common errors that we have seen owners make which allows us to pass on any kind of trend information so I, I think the difference in what you see is is we could do it the GA way and just say you are an instructor, I'm an instructor, give you a couple of flights and let you transfer your own knowledge um, and experience level into treating, training in the A5. But like I said, with that relationship we have with the insurance underwriters and, and how strict they are with ownership right now, it's nice that we put um, new instructors for the ICON A5 through those paces and, and give them a chance to relax in the left seat and actually have fun. I think you can both agree that it's a blast of just fly from oh, one yeah. seat and Hell then yeah. move over yeah. to that mentality of correcting trends, uh, you know, verbalizing mistakes. And and our one of our biggest philosophies is is constructive criticism. Um, we always use the Blue Angels as an example of, of pointing out our own errors. And so um, when they move to the right seat, then they get a chance to, to practice that as well. So I think that's how it's different is that we, we treat it like we're all adults, right? And, and I recognize that you're a very great pilot, but here's how ICON would like you to train and then interject your own experience um, where necessary or appropriate. I think that's a great way to put it because it was definitely, I mean, it was very structured and we knew exactly what we were going to do every time we flew out. It wasn't just, hey, let's bop around and see what happens. We knew what we were going to do and what objectives we were trying to achieve. But at the same time, you know, even the, the criticism to ICON, they're very accepting of it. I mean, why are we doing things this way? It's like, Oh, okay. Yeah, let's consider, you know, the pros and cons. Are we achieving the objective of a certain maneuver? 
by doing it a little differently. And that's what's been interesting, seeing this partnership between Jack Browns and Icon has been, you know, how they overlap. You know, Browns having taught in 1940s J3s for the past 60 years, 70 years? But they've trained more pilots than every other school in the world. And so there's a a sense of knowledge that's been built up within that organization over time, even though flight instructors come and go Mm -hmm. and move on. Within the four walls of Brown Seaplane Base, there is a huge amount of resident knowledge Mm -hmm. of what's occurred there. And, you know, to apply Andy's thought process, uh, you know, the analogy of the Blue Angels or the Thunderbird Mm -hmm. debriefings, uh, we're doing the same thing within our team here at SPA. We just had one of those today because we were debriefing the member meeting, Mm -hmm. which we had a little bit less than successful uh, Zoom attempt uh, doing both a live and video uh, uh, Zoom meeting. And so, you know, it's one of those times where you have to put your egos aside and realize that you're all here to make each other better. Yes. That's the ultimate goal. And that, you know, that's where you're trying to go. And that is, uh, you know, a process for people to learn. And, and as you're bringing young flight instructors on that haven't been exposed to that, that's a really important process to, to develop. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and not everybody that, that we bring on has um, experience with uh, some of the ownership uh characteristics that we have. So uh, it's nice to, to reinforce to them that the company has their back. So if they don't think someone's safe, we want, we really reinforce fall on us support as a, as a company, let come back to icon and let us help you and have your back. Um, If you need to tell someone they're just not ready to progress to the next ride or maybe not even be a seaplane pilot, you know, ultimately those conversations have to be had, but, but being very safety minded, you know, letting the instructors know that they're not just alone on an Island out there. Once we train them, they have an entire support structure behind them as well. And those are difficult discussions that a potential buyer or potential manufacturer of an aircraft doesn't want to have, but it's still important for our community that we have those discussions. Exactly. Absolutely. So Andy, taking us through um, the ICON training programs, not IAFI, not the CFIs, available to prospective owners. So someone having bought an ICON, what what options do they have to get trained? Yeah. So right now, like I said, we've got about forty instructors around the country. Um, most of them are seaplane qualified. So when you when it comes to the courses that are offered, starting at the most basic, we have the SFI or Sport Flight Introduction. Most people call it a Discovery Flight. I think everybody's familiar with that. Um, so. Uh, there are a few places, there's five schools that have A5s in their inventory, and we're hoping to expand that number. Um, but they are uh, low-altitude adventures up in the Northeast, um, Boundless Aviation in South Carolina, Jack Browns, um, and uh, Iconic Seaplanes of Virginia, and then uh, Atlas Aviation here in Tampa right next to us. So all of those places have an A5 and will offer introductory discovery flights. Then you bump up to the TX courses, what we call transition, and there's TXS and TXL, and those are a little bit confusing sometimes. TXS just means transition from seaplanes. That means you already have a seaplane rating and you just want to get checked out in the A5. It's our shortest checkout course. It's two days. The TXL is the next bump up, so you've never had a a seaplane rating before, but you are land qualified, land rated. So you would go through a four-day course and you would finish that with a checkout in the A5 and the light sport C endorsement. So you'd be able to fly any light sport aircraft that's able to, to land on the water um, and have that endorsement in your logbook. After that, you bump up to the uh, the more of the specialty of Jack Browns, which is the SES rating itself, right? And, and they have the A5, so they are able to offer that. That's not something ICON ever developed as a course internally. 
but we've worked with partners um, who have that capability, the instructors and the, uh, the access to the A5 and the expertise to do that. And so what we did was just morph our TXL class into a full SES class. Um, and so places like Jack Brown's offer that. And then of, of that, the longest course would be if someone needs to get their license, either an SPL or a PPL. And right now the, the best place to do that is um, we've either got uh, the Boundless Aviation in South Carolina or Atlas. And what we love about that is that these places specialize in ground training. It's not something that we here in the factory um, have the manpower to do or really uh, Janessa being the uh, instructor that came from the schoolhouse lifestyle. Um, we just don't have the manpower and the resources to put someone through that kind of training. So it's nice that we're partnering with schools that are, do that on a daily basis. And that's where the land IAFI comes in. Uh, places like Atlas Aviation next to us where we've trained uh, three of their instructors that are doing that job on a daily basis very nice very nice i like how you kind of you set it up sort of the shortest to the longest like what they can expect um, asking for like a txs so just clarifying that that txs and that txl so you know we can no go ahead I was just gonna say, and some people get confused on the TX, but the the, right. the purpose behind the TX courses are contractually when an owner buys a plane, they agree to go, to go through ICON training. And I, fundamentally, that's what we're talking about are the transitioning into the A5 and getting them qualified either with the endorsement or RDC plane qualified. Yeah, and I can tell you, uh, you know, as a, a guy with a lot of float plane experience, but also a fair amount of flying boat experience, uh, even going through the uh, uh, seaplane transition, the TXS uh, program, uh, you guys, you know, and to Janessa's credit, was a real stickler on the way that ICON wanted the procedures demonstrated and performed. And again, things that make uh, an impression on me is discipline and an adherence to standards. And uh, I, I really, uh, again, uh, can only reflect on other training experiences. I've flown with seaplane schools literally all over the world. I've made, you know, for the last 30 years, I've made it a habit well bef- uh, before I was the director of the association to fly with every flight school I could in seaplanes or, you know, whenever I traveled. And the adherence to the standards, um, again, is where I really think uh, the, the preparation for training, coming in, having a plan, uh, performing the plan and then sticking to this is what we're looking for. This is what you need to demonstrate. And it was probably the strictest seaplane, uh, you know, the pass or fail or what you were looking for as a nominal performance was the, the strictest I've ever seen, which I really have to give you guys credit for. Thank you. It's I'll take like the credit. The, <laughs> it's almost like, you know, FA standards, ACS standards, and then just like a level up. You know, we expect more than you just getting yourself on the ground, maybe in a ball. Like we'd like you to, you know, fly the airplane again, <laughs> really know what you're doing, keep yourself safe, keep everyone around you safe. You know, I think the, the best way for me to demonstrate some of that structure is just looking at the checklist. I mean, it's, it is comprehensive. It's great, but my gosh, it's, it's comprehensive going through it. It really takes some time, but it slows you down. And it's like what they've always said about doctors. I mean, if doctors had checklists, they wouldn't leave anything inside of people. Didn't we just read a book on that? Yes, we did. (laughs) Yes, we did, Steve. But you know, it's, it's, it's a very comprehensive checklist. It's, it's something that, you know, I make people go through and I know that Andy watched me as I forgot that last item on the checklist before one of our flights. (laughs) And he well, says, let me be clear on one thing, John. I, 
I don't want to scare people off, but but one of the things I love is that we learn from the instructors that mm-hmm. come through too. I don't want to make it sound like we're just this rigid program because, no. uh, and, and, and Jack Brown's is a great example because I'm mm-hmm. um, flying with Abby and Jesse and, uh, and Ken and even Ben, but to a later extent, but um, we had, we would land on the water and have a long discussion about the differences between the hull plane and the float planes and, and what you can do in a step taxi and when you would turn downwind to upwind and how this one handles. And so I like pushing the limits of people who don't have a lot of hull plane experience when it comes to the tight turns and keeping the power on and oh, yeah. upwind or downwind. And then they like to tell me their experience. And I actually, I have changed the way I talk about the landing checklist, which um, Steve, you'll know from the, the safety group, the manufacturer safety group, that's one of our focus points right now. And, and I love to be involved in that, but, but I actually changed the way I talk to the landing checklist because of flying with Ken and Jesse and, and saying, I have the gear up because I'm landing on the water there. So I point to it now and I never used to do that, but, but it was such a a great learning point for me. And I have, you know, working for the company. So we do change what we do based on the interactions with instructors too. It's not all us dictating how to fly. It's just, um, I guess a good analogy is those, those, uh, best practices, right. That people have out in corporations, uh, around the world. We take the best practices that we hear about and we incorporate it in the training, whether it's somebody else's or ours. Definitely. Yeah, and that, and that comes across. Really yeah, does. and that's always been my, you know, uh, anyone that's heard me in, in safety programs, uh, point at your landing surface, uh, audibly say it, and uh, identify that you're configured correctly. And I didn't want to intimidate anyone with that, but what the point was with Janessa was I knew where the aircraft was in the flight envelope. I knew where we were from a landing situation. I knew it was a good attitude. I knew it was a good situation. But she was like, but the formula the recipe is on on the panel and you know if you do the recipe on the panel it'll work out perfectly so i want to see you do it on the panel it doesn't matter that you know where it is so <laughs> yeah it, it, it and is i respect that try and, and, and get those points across sometimes after years of military training too you learn the subtle arts of conversation so clearly the, an experienced instructor knows when I point to the gear and the flaps and the, and the water rudder and I say that they're all up and they'll shortcut it and they'll go gear flaps and rudder are set. And I'll go, well, yeah, no. <laughs> I hate that. Oh, I hate that. Or, or is that is a- gear is up, <laughs> flaps are up, water rudders up. Oh, that drives me <laughs> insane. Oh gosh. I, we've had some interesting, you know, you see everything as a flight instructor. You're sitting there in the right seat. You're seeing what the, what the student's doing. And it's, it's an interesting mindset, and it's so important that I think people go through these training programs. Whatever aircraft they're going to fly, if they're buying a seaplane, really get some training, especially if it's an amphib. Um, I've had students, and Ben has his own stories. Ken has his own stories. I had a student set me up in a water configuration as if we were landing on the water on downwind to a runway. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing more obvious than you got the numbers. You are... I mean, you, you, you're a pilot. You've done this quite a few times. Enter downwind of a runway, you're going to land. But after having done, you know, 30 water landings in the last two hours, you're, you're so used to that just motor. And no one is immune memory. from that. I mean, no, one of the, not. we were working with a designated pilot examiner mm-hmm. that does the majority of his training in straight flow planes right? and training him um, and repeatedly that uh, he would come in for a water landing mm-hmm. and say you know gear is down for water landing or he would miscall it yep. or he would inadvertently put the gear down because it would it had thrown him out of his normal operating procedure and so you know 
uh, Andy knows this from the safety group. I'm just a stickler on this as far as not, you know, this is an incredibly enjoyable uh, activity that we all obviously get immense uh, pleasure from doing, but you can never take it lightly. Um, You're, you know, it, it is a serious thing and you do have to have a certain amount of discipline on it. So I hope we're not harping on this, but that's what I do as a safety advocate. So, uh, but it is a, a tremendous amount of fun. And uh, again, the amount of thought that has gone into the training program, the way that it is, um, you know, presented to a student or to a flight instructor going through the program is again, very high marks on it. Thank you. It's, it's in everybody's best interest, right? We all face a time right now where insurance is uh, going up, and and uh, I think all of us want everybody to be safer pilots. So I think it's in everybody's interest to, to make the best training program we can. And then I think that filters out to the, the network of training uh, partners that we have out there, both schools and instructors. Definitely. So, you know, we've kind of harped on our... We've, we've, we've been on our, the pulpit now for a while for a second, but you know, the reason we're flying these airplanes and the reason people are buying these airplanes, is just cause they're really fun. It's really cool. So Andy kind of ending on a light note here, what do you enjoy the most about flying the a five and heading the program over at icon? Um, I like that. Uh, well, within the company, I like that I can be myself. I'm sure you've seen the goofy video <laughs> I put out, but <laughs> just the A5 is like my Zen. Um, people, we, I talk to people all the time. They want to know what it's like to travel across country. And I say it's the Harley Davidson of airplane rides. You, you're out there to enjoy the view and the time that you got there. So flying this thing cross country to Oshkosh or, or Minnesota or New York, and I've been to all those places, Arizona. Um, it's just, I, I find my Zen spot. I'm happy at, you know, uh, a thousand to 3000 feet looking at things like the grand Canyon, the Mississippi river and all the bays up and down Florida and the intercoastals. Um, my goal when I left the military was to learn more about GA and, and being able to expand that to a job that allows me to fly seaplanes has been a dream. And, uh, so having a voice in, in seaplane operation training, uh, the, the safety group, you know, the, the, it just feels a lot like being back in the, in the military and being in a squadron, having a, a subset of aviators that specialize in one thing or, or experience one thing that you can talk to. So, um, I don't know. It just feels like home. There you go. Wow. And, and likewise, and if you're, uh, if you're in a hurry to get there in a seaplane, you might be flying it for the wrong reasons. Honestly. It's, it's, it's not about uh, getting there as much as it is about the enjoyment of the journey. And, uh, you know, I, I, why I love the Super Cub so much. I mean, it's not practical from a, a speed standpoint at 84 knots going across country, but uh, it sure is enjoyable. So uh, Beats the interstate. It sure does. I don't care how fast that car is when it comes to a traffic jam. So. I'm having more fun than you. I like to look down on people as we fly over I-4 and say that. Ooh, that uh, might be mean. I, I troll people at, at rush hour with the Super Cub. I'll go out and fly, you know, down I-4 at, oh, you know, and just troll oh. troll people telling, you know, I'm having so much more fun than you are right now in traffic. So. Oh, <laughs> well, it's even more fun when you actually know somebody in traffic. One time we were taking a plane up to Orlando and uh, we were we started on the trailer and then I don't remember why I think traffic was getting bad, but we pulled off at plant city, unloaded the plane off the trailer and uh, Scott and I took off and we kept going. Well, we spotted the trailer stuck in traffic. So of course we had to dip down low right next to the highway. And we called the guy that was driving the truck of the trailer. And we're like, see you in Orlando. And he gave us the, gave us the middle finger. And, oh, we and we're going to hit, we're going to land in about five lakes along the way. So yeah. 
So, uh, Andy, hey, I, you know, it's always a uh, pleasure speaking with you. We had hoped to actually fly over today uh, to have this conversation in person and didn't quite work out that way, but I'm sure we will get over there soon. Uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to join us on this week's podcast. I, I, you know, again, uh, if you have any interest in the icon, if you want to expand your horizons in some new uh, avenues of training and developing your pilot skills, uh, you really need to look into one of these programs that icon currently offers. Yeah, it's my pleasure for joining you guys. Thank you very much for the invite. And the, uh, of course, anytime you can make it down here, we'll go up for a flight. Uh, just let us know. And, and for those listening out there, uh, please check out our, our latest videos on low altitude adventures up in the Northeast. They've got a really unique ownership uh, options available and uh, do training as well. And uh, all our partners, Jack Brown Seaplane Base, uh, Low Altitude Adventures, Iconic Seaplanes, and Boundless Aviation, they're all uh, ready to take your calls and, and put you through training, general public or owners alike. So um, if nothing else, the videos have some amazing Amazing uh, air footage from Paul Nyhart, our content manager. So, um, and and they, they made me look pretty good too, but better than Ben and Abby anyway. So. I'm in them too. <laughs> Abby is in there too. Yes. Yeah, I'm not flying though. I'm in a I'm in a classroom, so it's fine. There you go. I know. Yeah, yeah I, I saw that. Yeah, I flew the airplane later that day, but they didn't want to film me. And by the way, uh, you guys really led the way. Icon led the way with a great uh, gear position video that was yes. a result of our discussions in the safety group as well. We're currently working on uh, a, a gear position video for the Seaplane Pilots Association. But I really want to thank you, uh, Andy, for taking the time. Uh, I, there's just so much more to talk about uh, our philosophy and what we're doing between the safety group and Icon and their training program. Uh, so I'm sure we'll have you back on in the future. We've got a lot more work to do together. Abby, it's good to have you back on the show. It's so nice to be back. We've missed you. I got my voice back. So, <laughs> And to our listeners, we hope that this has been uh, enjoyable and insightful for you. Thank you for tuning in. Please uh, email us uh, just to csr at seaplanes.org with your comments, suggestions of the kind of program so you would like us to cover on the Waterflying Podcast because it is your show. We look forward to uh, joining you yet again next week with another episode of Waterflying. And until then, clear skies and calm waters. We are so glad you joined us today. If you like today's show... I highly encourage you to join the Seaplane Pilots Association and become a member of the largest seaplane community in the world. Members receive Water Flying, the only full-color glossy magazine dedicated to the seaplane community. And it's available in both printed and digital form. Your membership also includes access to the Water Landing Directory app, which has the Seaplane Flight School directory and a calendar of seaplane events not only here in the United States, but around the world. The association hosts regular educational workshops, safety seminars, and gatherings for seaplane pilots and anyone with a passion for seaplanes. So look us up online at seaplanes.org, join our community, and support our mission of protecting and promoting water flying.